having transported themselves to the shrouded isles of the Kraley people, the party has agreed to undergo a change, a death, though what that exactly entails is yet to be revealed. After a much-needed night of rest, everyone wakes at whatever time they deem fit and have a few good hours to themselves to attend to whatever business they seek to undertake, breakfast, exercise, whatnot. Though whoever is first to rise probably noticed that there is a schedule that has been written out on a sort of rough kind of parchment and placed on this kitchen island. Who's who's probably the first up? Grinier? Yeah. Yeah. Gotta get the push-ups. Right, at 3 a.m. sharp, Brynir. <laughs> Is there any wood that needs chopping? Yeah. Already <laughs> he goes to the shirt. mill. <laughs> at early sunrise, as Brynir does exit his room and you know, is stretching out and notices this note on the counter, there there is a schedule delineated there that beginning just previous to noon, there's something called a class and then with a name that you do not know how to pronounce because it's written in a language you don't understand. And then there's a period for lunch. And then there's a second discussion with that same name. And then after that is dinner and then rumination and then sleep. And it seems up until about the hours of 10.30 or 11 or so, you are all free to do as you will. So what does Brynir do? Well, he sees the note. He thinks to himself, I got some time. He goes for a jog, does some push-ups, does some other things to, you know, keep himself in top physical shape. And then he goes and makes himself a hearty breakfast after his three meals of last night and then waits for other people to wake up and come out making note of the schedule. He'll find some other minor things to do. Maybe he'll find a great romance novel to start reading. <laughs> As we already observed tonight. We're learning some good character development here about Brynir. He's all about those romance novels. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's what he does. I'd say the next person to come out, unless anyone else is a very early riser, uh, would be Rolandier. He comes out greets Brynir, eats some breakfast that he either makes for himself, or if Brynir had extras, he'll pick at that. Oh, there's plenty. <laughs> Are you going to finish that? And just walks up. <laughs> just takes it out of Brynir's hands. Oh, thank you. Awful. Notices the schedule as well, and taking note of how much time he has between the first thing, just says to Brynir, I think I'm going to head out for a bit. Just walk the island some in case you don't see me for a bit, but I will be back in time to attend our first meeting. All right, I will let everyone know. And then bring your hands him a different book. He's like, I'll read this on your way. <laughs> uh, spe- actually, speaking of books, did Vamok leave the tome out on the table from last night or did he bring that back to his room with him? Yeah. I'm going to say he left it out. Like if, uh, if he went to bed before the others, you know, he kind of left it out so that Mick and Val could peruse at their leisure. Uh, it, but it's all in Goliath. Yeah, it's giant. Yeah. Oh, excuse oh, me. <laughs> Uncultured swine. <laughs> Did you know that Mick knows seven different languages, but Goliath, or excuse me, giant is not one. <laughs> but yeah, it's got a few things here and there. It's like a picture of a giant picking up a mountain and smashing it on the, other, the head of another giant or something. <laughs> you know, <but> interesting. <laughs> Flip through it as you will. 
Okay, yeah. So Rolander's just going to give it a, you know, quick thumb through. Um, look if there's any handwritten notes from Vamok within it. Uh, he does try to glean anything he can about that Death Ward spell since he wasn't there when he taught it to the others. Whether he's able to actually get it or not, um, I'll let Ryan determine. But yeah, if there's nothing particularly of note in that book, then he's going to continue on with his walk. All right. You know what? Here's a little flavor for you. Okay. You see that the tome, it looks like it was written by some scholar, perhaps some smart Goliath or something. But like, as you get more towards the back, you know, the more like the stuff that would have been written more recently, you see it actually kind of turns into like almost a lab journal. And it's like what you've come to realize is Vamok's handwriting that has other like different diagrams and like grafting things onto the body and this and that and kind of macabre scientific journal type stuff okay fitting of like how we found him when he first showed up at the inn many moons ago yeah exactly yeah so Rolandier does note this and just kind of grimaces as he looks through it but pays particularly note of the parts where Vamok is spending a lot of his time uh, or had been spending a lot of his time focusing on and then just returns it to how it was when he found it and goes on his way. We'll return to Rolandier's walk in a moment, but uh, who rises next? I'm going to say that Mick probably rises next and he moseys downstairs uh, carrying his loot with him as he does and he notices the schedule or the note that with the schedule on the table kind of says, hmm, interesting. And sees the tome, opens it up for a second, kind of brushes through it, stops at the pictures, and then says, hmm, light reading material for some time later. And Mick will go towards the windowsill, will bring a chair up to the window, will kick his feet up on the windowsill and kind of lounge back in his chair and gently start strumming his lute, which he's been parted from what it feels like in eternity. <laughs> and we'll enjoy that for a few hours, actually, until I assume others come down. All right. Is there a place to take a bath, Ryan? <laughs> Yes, there is kind of like a lavatory of sorts on the upper floor. And then on the lower floor, there's a hallway that extends underneath the staircase into another wing where there are different bathrooms and such. That will head straight to that bathroom. And being back on Agadon now, he is back to the form that he was in all a mainstay when he had to manually disguise himself, not by intent. So his hair has been dyed black does not care for that. So he's going to go and wash out that dye and spend a bit in the bathroom. His yellow hair is magically dyed. <laughs> so that is also not present. Uh, and by the time he finishes washing it out, I, he probably can't get all of it out. It's probably a little gray. But uh, he's back to his natural white, which he has not had for many moons. Very well. Vamok will get up and he'll head to one of these bathrooms and he'll... Um kind of wash himself off right he feels a bit rested and he's gonna wash his face in the basin and just kind of take a look at the mirror and take a good long look at his form what has now become his natural form just gonna kind of soak it all in and then he'll steal his resolve change his appearance back to mazkin and he's gonna head down get something to eat a little bit of brekkie once clean Val will also go to breakfast Val, Vamok, Mick, and Brynir, as you are dining. And Rolandir is out and about, walking the island. Do you make it to the beach? From where we are, is there a way that he can make it to the beach by passing through 
some part of this settlement, or is it basically you walk to the beach or you walk into town? The latter, but you could walk into town and then, like, hang a left or something. <laughs> it's an island. There's lots of beach. <laughs> <laughs> you walk one direction, you'll eventually get to a beach. Rolandier's first goal was just to go and find someone who was either up and working or basically any of these locals, as he would describe them, and stop one of them. What time was Rolandier walking about? Well, let's see. If Brynjir was up at three or five, whatever. Yeah, he, he, was, he was probably up at like seven or eight. We'll say seven or eight. All right. Yeah, I, honestly, by this time, the village is as busy as it was when you retired last night. Wow. Okay. Again, there isn't kind of this bustling energy to anything, but everyone is just very purposeful. Then, yeah, he goes to someone carrying out their daily tasks, chores, whatever they're doing, and just approaches them and says, Excuse me, I might ask you a question. They stop for a moment, look up at you, and you now can probably notice after interacting with a few of them, uh, just notice some idiosyncrasies of this race of beings. They raise their hand when they speak to you, even though they're the only one talking to you. They think we're stupid. <laughs> and they hear it. <laughs> It's me, by the way. There's a lot of us, but it's me talking to you. And you hear in your mind, please, what may I assist you with? I don't know any of what culture or practices are common here, but I was told yesterday that whenever we are finished with whatever it is that we're going to go through today, we can stay, and then we can choose to return to this ethereal Egadon. Are there others here, like myself, or people from Ethereal Egadon, who still reside here on the islands? If you have not seen them in the guest lodgings, then no. You've probably learned that many who come here decide to leave again. The things they learn and see and the changes they undergo are not simple or, how you say, easy things per se, but... They are challenging, and above all, simply unfamiliar. To us, they are familiar. It is what we were raised to think, the way we have always seen the world. For ones such as yourself, and beings such as us, we crave familiarity, for it brings a sense of security that sometimes overrides whatever peace we seek. And are there more of you? Outside of these islands, I mean. No, not that I know of. Such things would endanger all of us. And I would hope, and I'd like to say I know, that there would not be any that would bring such harm to this community. Unfortunately, from what I've seen, I figure there's at least someone in the world who would wish that. Mortals tend to be unceasingly violent. There are ones who leave on permission or specific assignment from the elders. For we recognize, though we are apart from this world, we are still part of it. And we have interests and must guide things in our own ways. That kind of strikes something in Rolandier. Do you guide then or influence even the ethereals? You don't see this on their face but you can feel it again kind of like the psychic psychic prodding you feel the sensation that they're smiling and they say I'm sorry I do not mean to jest or cause any offense but to simply put an ethereal as you call them 
in such a category as beyond some sort of influence, I simply find humorous. Rolander actually kind of gives a slight chuckle as well. It's more of like a reassurance to himself almost. It, you know, he has these hopes of who these beings are, and it's just peaceful and comforting hearing that, that nonchalantly from this guy or girl or them, whatever they are. Bug. <laughs> My gender is bug. <laughs> <laughs> He just smiles at that as well, and then nods his head and just says, thank you for our chat today. It was very pleasant. Agreed. He's going to continue on his way and work to... Now he's heading toward the beach. As you walk your way along the beach, just kicking past seashells and sand, uh, you see Luna walking the opposite direction, approaching. She is back in her usual getup. She's ditched whatever she had from this mirror world for she was the only one that had actually retained well no you all retained whatever you were wearing there but she was in like these goddess robes and she's back in her normal suspenders shirt and trousers as she's comfortable in and as you're walking towards her she just gives a sheepish wave (laughs) as you two eventually walk up and she'll stop well you must have been up quite early I didn't see you I didn't sleep too well no can't blame you. Do you have any idea what exactly it is that's waiting for us? I, at least from the way that Kelneus and Cad talked about this, it's clear they had some inkling of at least what this place was, but in all that you've done, do you have any idea who these people are, what they do, what they're after? I honestly have none, and for the first time, that's comforting. At least we're all in this blind, then. There's some sense of peace and ignorance. Is it ignorance? I suppose not. There's no way we could have enlightened ourselves otherwise. And Rolander actually just sits down in the sand at this point and just kind of digs his hands into it and... Digs his hand into it? Digs his... (laughs) (laughs) Digs his hand and his stump just plops. (laughs) Rolander just kind of absentmindedly sits down in the sand and looks out at these waves and just says, after our meeting with the council, I went out and touched that monolith as well, and if that's even an inkling of what they're saying we're going to feel after these after this death today I don't know if I'm going to go back I feel like I've heard perhaps from you or perhaps another perhaps in Cad's telling of all your deeds, you were once in a place like this where You were suddenly unshackled from all these things that we had to do. Vale's realm, right? And Rolander kind of just looks at Luna, and he's like, No, Luna, you know that's what it was. You've seen me there. And he just kind of, like, taps on his head. (laughs) She gives a knowing smile and kind of clicks her tongue and taps her forehead, too. It's like, yeah, sorry. It's all right. Uh, You're right. That was perhaps the first time in however long we'd been in this new world, or perhaps as long as I can even remember outside of that, that I'd felt free, alive from anything, really. And I don't know if I want that to go away. This burden that I feel currently is what drives me to keep doing anything, to know that we have to take on these gods, to know that we need to try to make Egadon a better place. If I lose that pain and those feelings that drive me well at least Vamok has a plan he says it kind of like gives a slight eye roll as he does it <laughs> a good old Efron eye roll 
That pesky front, he left me an eye roll. Left me an eye roll in my pocket. (laughs) Luna doesn't sit, but she just shifts her feet as she looks out into the ocean as well and says, I think here is going to be different. If it weren't, then we may as well have just gone back to Vale and, well, done exactly what you all did there. I think whatever we do here, whatever this change or death is, even though we won't take it wholly with us when we leave, it's going to be a part of us. And perhaps it's better to not remember it, because then we won't look back on it like something we've lost, but it'll just be some foundation that, as far as we know, was always there, and and we can live with it. Lander just stares out for a little bit longer in silence after Luna says that. And then he stands up and just says... I'm going to keep walking for a bit, but thank you. Of course. I'll probably head back then, so no one worries about me. And then she nods and heads off abruptly. Yep, and Relander just keeps on walking on, on the beach. Luna does arrive before probably anyone has really cleared out for breakfast. So she sits down at the table, helps herself to some food, probably about when Vamok is finished getting ready and Val has washed out his hair. The two of them come out to see Luna and what's Brynir and Mick been doing then, just besides eating and getting ready for the day? Uh, Brynir went and played a nice game of golf. (laughs) (laughs) He's out on the green. What is this, an (laughs) 18-hole? Mick went to the farmer's market. Yeah, Yeah, I think that Mick was playing on the loot and and everything, and we'll probably go upstairs and retrieve all this stuff and get ready fully for the day. Brynir probably searched around town and then eventually ended up back there, kind of waiting for people. Maybe he found some kind of library or something. Perfect. Everyone probably returns to the uh, sitting room and to this guest house a good at least half hour or hour before you are required to go to this location to have this discussion. So finding you all here... In the sitting room, Luna actually raises a hand, kind of calling everyone to attention if she can. And she says, I wanted to say just whatever happens, and I'm not sure what will happen. But I I don't know about the rest of you, but I just feel good about this. I can't explain it. She shares a a glance with Rolandir as kind of this recollection of the stone monolith comes to mind. And then another glance at Val. He nods and smiles at her. She offers a smile and then catches Mick's gaze very quickly and averts her gaze. Wait, why? <laughs> she knows that you know. I feel like Mick would be like, like, what you smiling at? Mick would do this one, like, the rock thing, but, like, sa- like suave like, mm. <laughs> I know what you did last night. <laughs> exactly. Why she doesn't look at Mick. Oh, I think, I think legitimately either Mick would have that or Mick would take in the words that Luna just said of that good feeling and kind of take in a really deep breath and then um, have a large exhale as well. Just almost like taking a weight off of his shoulders. Yeah, that's all she says. Has anyone seen our, um, see, as a guest? I haven't seen anyone, although I've been out the majority of the morning. I was up a good part of the night, and I didn't hear or see anyone. 
then perhaps we should, um, wake them up. It seems that the schedule still applies to them, huh? Well, actually, and Luna points to all of your names scrawled across the top of the paper. (laughs) (laughs) It's called being observant. I'm assuming Mick, uh, upon seeing her does this, leans over and goes, never mind. I'm sure Mick would notice this, but the name Mick is not scrawled there, but... It's not Mickless? It's Mick's real name. Johnny. Are you talking about Mick's, like, last name? Oh, yeah, like, Mick's full name. Because Mick sees that, Mick kind of furrows his eyebrows upon seeing an unfamiliar surname and will kind of just puzzledly um, say, hmm, and will remove himself that location. Luna has a pretty similar uh, expression on her face when she looks at the paper and also sees that she has a surname. Well, now I want to know what her last name is. I looked at that paper too. I mean, anyone who reads the paper would notice it. Okay. Well, I guess Vamok is in the dark. Well, <laughs> can't well, read. Mick, well, I think Mick, upon seeing this, will say, "Well, I don't know who Mick uh, Dijon is, and what about this Lunavra? And what's the last name? <laughs> it's Lee. She actually just like grabs the paper before you finish reading it. Oh." Very well, then. I guess we won't know what that is. Oh, two people who don't exist on this paper. Yes, exactly. Um, Strange thing to say. (laughs) Well, we should all probably go to wherever this discussion is held, shouldn't we? Very well. (laughs) Everyone just stares at Luna. (laughs) Don't tell me it says Morden's daughter. (gasps) (laughs) Daddy! (laughs) We can go, yeah. Okay. And she turns and she leaves. <laughs> I think that's the wrong way. <laughs> and out the door, Sorry. she kind of hangs a different direction. <laughs> we should follow. Yes, she'll probably get lost. And pretty go out. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> <laughs> She's flustered. Belle will catch up to her, but won't say anything about what happened. All right. It, it isn't honestly too long of a walk to another spoke of the wheel that is the village to a amphitheater type setting where there are stone blocks laid out and seats in a semicircle and then there's a single larger block upon which one of these Crayley sits again in a just very simple tunic trousers kind of rolled up to just above the knee and a simple cinch belt unadorned do their cool robes come in deep V (laughs) I mean, you're wearing, you have your clothes. I know. I just wanted, if Brynir was going to pick one up while he was here, if if that was the case. We're going to head by the Crayley H&M, grab one or two. (laughs) On your beds, there were all tailored, just like linen pajamas, just simple sets and underwear and such. And if you left your clothes out in the evening, you would find them laundered by the morning. They're dusty. (laughs) <laughs> that was the biggest problem with them, the dust. <laughs> <laughs> so we we walking along, seeing these people working, and the, the guy sitting on the thing. And this Crayley has their fingers clasped above their belly, sitting and looking out at you all. And then you hear in your collective minds, Greetings and welcome. 
You are perspectives, are you not? You can speak in your native tongues, whatever is most amenable to you. I understand it all. Good morning, and yes, I suspect so. Good. I will keep this discussion short, for you will have much to think about during your lunch period, and we will have another discussion later in the day, followed by a period of rumination, your dinner, and your bedtimes. Though you are not beholden to this schedule in any way, you are still free to choose what you do and say in every instance, if it is truly your wish to undergo the death necessary to remain here or to leave here and remain changed, then I would implore you to simply attend these discussions. And I intend that they are discussions, though today I think will be more of a lesson on the history of this world that you call Egadon. Perhaps it would be most helpful, though, before we begin, truly, for one of you to tell me your understanding of this world and its denizens? From what I understand, and this may be similar for some of my companions, Egadon was created by Egg, or from Egg, and the Ethereals are his children, and... The realities are almost agents of the Ethereals. They have more to do with mortals than the Ethereals themselves. And that is more or less all I know about the history of Egadon. That and the kin and humans have been at war for generations. But beyond that, I am unsure. And I would suspect that some of my companions are of a similar level of knowledge, so perhaps it would be best to start as if we knew nothing. Very well. It is a good answer. There are no wrong answers. But perhaps could one delve a little deeper, if possible. If not, then we'll proceed. No. Very well, then. Whatever you have learned, whatever parts you may have learned in error, I would simply ask you to unlearn, for I'll tell you now the truth of this world. Perhaps, though, I will start with a question to you, the one who spoke and brought up these ethereals, the one named Egg. Why mention them at all? Why are they necessary to creation? Everyone turns to Vamak. If one is to think about this logically... You could say that it has something to do with the nature of intent, but at the same time, intent is not a necessity for life, as we have seen from many of the inhabitants of Agadon who are without the use of intent, specifically the Emir. They have no connection to intent, and yet they live. Therefore, intent must not be necessary for life. Additionally, in the creation of a world... I do not know if Ethereals are necessary, for I, as well as some of my companions, come from a world that had no Ethereals. But where I come from, the stories of creation were many, and they were varied. 
some held similarities, but others did not. So I do not know what makes Egadon so special, so different. All I know is that I have been told that Egg is the father of this world. From him and his essence was the world created, and all things therein are somehow related to him one way or another. That is what you've been told, yes. And such is the topic of our first discussion, to undo the damage that has been done. I tread lightly around such topics, such ideas, but for those of you who come from these cultures, lands, who accept these beings as such gods, ethereals, realities, valors, whatever deity you deign to call them, it is of my opinion, and the opinion of all those who reside upon this isle, that they are no such beings, though they may have had a hand in the manipulation of this mortal sphere in its very early stages. They are in no ways creators. They are simply destroyers. Beings elevated beyond their station, beyond their understanding, brought to godhood by their belief and your belief alone. Egg did not make this world. Did he shape it to better suit him? Perhaps. Or perhaps his brother did. Or their sons or daughters or sisters or parents. I know not. But what I do know is that long before humans walked upon the earth and long before kin tilled the ground, and even still before the elves created their weapons and their machines and brought death to this green land, there was life on Egadon, though we called it another name. And there were beings on Egadon, perhaps like unto myself, but perhaps not, as eons have passed since they walked freely. And this intent that you conflate with essence, they are not one of the same, one is the manipulation of the other. But I would say to you, especially to those who use intent, who use, who purport to bend and break the essence of the world, you limit yourselves. Just as you, he looks at Val, once limited yourself in the teachings of Elveret magics and spells, Cut yourself off from the purer intent. You still cut yourself off from something greater, something that is far beyond what mere mortal minds can comprehend, or rather, what these so-called gods would wish us to comprehend. If I so desired, I promise you, I could wrap this island in a furious maelstrom, the likes of which this world has never seen, and after which would never see again, for life would be stricken from it. Though I will not, because I have no such desire. The ones who you call gods hold this power as well, and with it they hold you hostage. Here we will teach you this power, if you can prove that you'll never want to use it. Rolander gives a sharp glance at Mamak. <laughs> that is the requisite death. The death of self, the death of ambition, 
perhaps the death of your nature. But in that sacrifice, you will attain something far, far greater. Do you all still wish to carry on? Yes. Luna will nod and say, yes, I do. I do. I do. Yes. Is it so easy to give up one's own ambitions by simply saying, I do? Is that guarantee enough that I would not want to use this power should I obtain it? How can one be sure? I know that my companions harbor reservations about myself, and to be honest, I would as well. But perhaps I also harbor some reservations about them as well. I do not think any of them are evil, but... Go ahead, Vermak. Say it. You think we're weak. I think presented with certain circumstances, with certain situations, we would all want to use this power. Valness, was it not you who said... You would not allow any more of your companions to die. Being faced with their death, would you not want to use this power to save them? I... I I cannot speak for myself in that moment, but there would be a desire, certainly. Moreover, if there was no desire to use this power, what would be the point of obtaining it? Unless... In the absence of desire, there was a need to use the power. Or perhaps simply knowing this power will make us free of the influence of the ethereals. These are the right sort of questions. You will begin to understand. You will begin to see beyond what you see now. You have only scratched the surface, not even a dent. But... We will uproot these foundations that have been laid within your beings, and we will plant new roots. And perhaps, it is my hope, in time, I will not have to answer these questions. You will have these answers. You will find these answers. Make these answers. But ask yourself, where are these questions born from? Are they born from hope, or fear, or anger? Lust. When I ask myself these questions, it is not for pursuit of knowledge. It is not for pursuit of power. It simply is. And you will see as well. In time. If you were led to believe that this would be a simple ordeal, I am sorry, but that is not the case. This will not be a simple one-day training. You will be here for some time, though it will not seem as such as our discussion has not seemed as such. And at this point, you do all note that though you got here, like, before noon, the sun is well past the noon mark. Thank you for bringing up these questions. I invite you to ponder them further. It is not bad, it is not evil, to ask yourself what one would do with such a power, if that is for ill or for good, and what those even mean. But I will promise you this. At least one part of what you said is true. In knowing these things, simply the fact of knowing them, you are one step closer 
one tiny step closer to being truly free from Ethereal Legadon and its chains that bind you to greater sinister powers. Now, this creature kind of wipes its hands and then hops off of the rock, which is floating about five feet in the air, as are all of your seats, unbeknownst until now. And you all just kind of light down back onto the sand. And he says, I'll see you back here in three hours' time. For now, enjoy your lunch break. And ponder the things I've said. Oh, and if you happen to see your other companion back at the lodge, do tell him to join us for this next bit. 